We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. Hi, and welcome to We Saved You a Seat podcast. On today's podcast, I have with me Kaylee Montgomery. Kaylee has an incredible uh, NICU, neonatal intensive care unit story, as she spent 143 days there with her daughter, Josie. Uh, but today we're actually not even going to talk about her NICU. Uh, we're a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about her NICU story. Uh, but a lot of what I wanted to have a discussion with her today on was about the decision that she made to have cochlear implants put in for her daughter Josie, and just really kind of talk through with us how she made that decision, why she made that decision, was it an easy decision, Um, and then some of the uh, lessons she's learned since then. So I'm excited to have Kaylee on with us today, and Kaylee, why don't you just introduce yourself and your family and tell us a little bit about um, what you guys do for fun. All right. Um, Hi, my name is Kaylee Montgomery, and we live out in Choctaw. Um, We're originally from the Oklahoma Panhandle. We moved out here because I went to school at OSU. Go Pokes. And uh, we just felt like Choctaw was a smaller town, kind of like the Panhandle was for us. So this is where we're at. My husband is an Oklahoma City firefighter. He has been with them for, I think, six years, maybe going on seven. We have three beautiful babies. Well, they're not babies anymore. Um, and then one angel baby. We have Kiana, who is 16. She's my my bonus daughter. And then we have Josie. Um, she's a twin with our angel baby, Kyson. And then we have Kylan, who is um, five. And Josie and Kyson are seven. We like to um, go to the lake. We like to swim at our pool. We like to do a lot of activities outside because Josie has cochlear implants and so she likes to enjoy the outer outer activities going on so that's an outside baby isn't she <laughs> she loves the outdoors yes well why don't you go ahead and um I know that was one of the focus of our conversation today was the cochlear implants and um and so why don't you start out with maybe describing a little bit about how you guys learned about her hearing loss and then kind of pro- progress into all of all of that fun stuff um so she was in the NICU for 143 days, so they didn't check her hearing until um, it was close to discharge. Um, so about February, I think, is when they tested her hearing. Um, they came in and they didn't get a good reading at all, so they said it was negative, so they were going to come back in and recheck it, because usually they give false readings sometimes. So. Then they came in again and it was negative again. And so they couldn't retest in the hospital because I guess you can only test up to two times. So then they sent us to Hearts for Hearing when we were going to discharge. So April, it was our discharge month. And as soon as we got out of there, 
she had a multiple um, doctor's appointments. So one of them was to go to Hearts for Hearing. And we went there and we were super nervous because what we thought was that she could hear. Like she was, she would turn her head when we would call her name. She would, she would respond to us. So we thought, I don't know what these doctors are thinking because she's, she's hearing us. So we go in and we do an ABR test and she, she wouldn't go to sleep. She was, cause you have to be like not moving, sleeping cause it picks up everything. Um, so she wouldn't sleep the first time. So then we had to go in a second time and they just couldn't find a good reading or one ear was really good and the other ear was not. So then we would have to go back in to test it again. And then one, the other ear was good and the other ear was not. So we were like, well, what is going on? That's when they diagnosed us with auditory neuropathy. And auditory neuropathy is, it's a hearing disorder um, that the outer hair cells in the cochlea make sound, but they're not, they don't translate to the auditory nerve. And so we were like, finally like, oh, okay, we get it now. She can hear, she can feel the vibrations and stuff, but she wasn't really getting the sound. Um, do you remember, do you remember how old she was when they finally gave you the auditory neuropathy? diagnosis mm, 10 months about 10 months 11 months maybe because mm -hmm. then they were they were um asking about technology it was time to start thinking about technology and we, we were so still hesitant we didn't want her to have it we didn't know anything about hearing loss neither one of us had it or in our family had it so like we were just like she can hear like I don't understand what this is and auditory neuropathy is really hard to explain. It's still doctors and um, audiologists still have a hard time trying to pinpoint exactly what is causing auditory neuropathy and why it's such a hard thing to diagnose. Um, but so yeah, she was diagnosed with that. So then we moved on to, um, they they said that um, we should try hearing aids. So we tried hearing aids. When they're, they're that age, they don't like anything <laughs> in their ears. So she would get it and throw it and rip it all apart. So I'd find pieces of the, of the hearing aid all over my car. So that was a challenge in itself because I'm like, well, obviously she doesn't want it. She doesn't want to hear. Um, but we realized that um, Hearing aids were just amplifying the sound. They weren't really giving her the right sound to give us the right words or giving us the right sound for her. So then around two and a half, we had to start decide, deciding on cochlear implants, which was a hard decision because she had already been through so much already in her little life that we didn't want her to go through another surgery. It was just not, we just didn't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, and with cochlear implants, usually doctors only do one side at a time. And I absolutely said, no, <laughs> we are going to try to do two at the same time because her little body, I didn't want her to go through that twice. Yeah. 
And oh. she'd already been through so much with her 143 days in the NICU. Yeah. And then, well, that, and then she had surgery on her small intestine while being in the NICU. So it was, she's just been through a lot. So at that point we were like, mm, really hesitant, which now we look back and think we should have done it earlier. Like, I wish we would have done it earlier, which we, we don't regret it at all, but we just wish we would have done it earlier. But then at three is when she went in for her um, cochlear implant surgery. We came out of it and she was fine. And then after you get implanted, you have to wait two weeks or to make sure that it's healed before they activate it in the hearing booth. And um, they would only do one ear, which is fine. Like that was fine with me. Um, but her first time to get activated, you see all of these videos of these kids getting activated or hearing for the first time and they're happy and they're crying. And Josie's was not like that. Josie's was very, um, it's like she was just overwhelmed. Um, she didn't it like more it. like a like she startled like it just like she was having all these sensory things that she had never experienced before right I mean, and at that level of loudness um so she was just very overwhelmed and she cried like it was a hurt cry um so we were very at that point like what did we do like why why did we do this and then and then the next time we went they did we they did the other ear and then it was it was happiness like she knew what she was doing then like they put something to her ear and once she heard it they she'd have to drop it down into a bucket and she was so excited so she knew at that point that she, what she was doing she was doing great so yeah so now she's seven years old and that was at three um she's doing well she's doing great um although Reading is still difficult for us. Um, she has, she just doesn't like to read. She, she, I don't know what it is. I think she just, she thinks she knows the word and then she tries to sound it out herself, but she thinks she, she doesn't like to be wrong is her thing. And um, she gets really disappointed in herself, um, which we always are encouraging for her. So she's just, she's just a very emotional little girl. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the process of once they were, um, what was the term you used? Once they were uh, connected, activated, I think you said. So once they were activated, uh, did you guys have to go through like therapy or like some like speech and language therapy after that? Why don't you walk us through some of those experiences? Um, yeah. So we, from day one, when we went into Hearts for Hearing, um, we were met with an audiologist and we were also met with a speech therapist. And our speech therapist, we had um, forever. She finally left, or she didn't finally leave, like we're sad about it, but she left last year. Um, and so now we have a new, a new speech therapist, but yes, throughout all of that, we've had to have speech therapy. Um, when she was littler, we had it two times a week because it was, we wanted as much exposure to her as possible. We wanted to, her to get as much as she could. And while I was open, because I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I can I 
I drove over there every every two two times a week. And then now we've moved it to one day a week because she's in school and she's also getting speech therapy through school. So she she's still getting it twice a week, but it's through school and through Hearts for Hearing. Um, but yes, we have to see her audiologist um, every six months, I believe, just to do some mapping to make sure like what she's hearing is still clear. So we, we go do that every six months, uh, but yeah. Tell me about the process you guys went through to decide that cochlear implants were uh, your method of choice for her hearing. Um, I know you spoke about the, the aids, the hearing aids that, uh, that she didn't enjoy because she tossed them in the floor in the car. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I can just imagine Josie doing that. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but, um, but tell me a little bit about maybe why y'all decided uh, the cochlear implants were the right decision versus maybe signing or uh, maybe some of those other things. Um, we wanted, okay, so we decided cochlear implants weren't, was going to be the next step because obviously the hearing aids weren't working for her. Um, so the next step was cochlear implants because we want her to experience what we're experiencing. Um, I think that if I would, would have been deaf or if my husband would have been deaf, we would have probably had a different thought on that. Um, but since we didn't know anything about uh, signing or anything, this was just a better option for us. Even though, yes, me and my husband could have learned, and we are learning, because she does not like to wear her hearing or her cochlear implants some places. So we do have to learn a few, few signs so we all are on the same page. Um, but like I said, if one of us or if even a grandparent was and we already knew sign, I think we would have probably had a different outlook on that. But since we didn't and we had no clue what we were getting into. No, I love that. That's a great explanation just to be able to fit into the environment that you guys have, I, I think is, is a good explanation. You were both hearing parents and I mean like I like I said, if it, if we if one of us just knew more sign, then maybe we would have looked towards more of that than not so I don't know it was it was a hard decision um, because again we didn't want to put her through that surgery and we didn't know what the outcome was going to be like was it going to help her um, or was it going to just enhance it a little bit and not not do anything but I also worked with her non-stop after she got her cochlear she went to her speech but me being a stay-at-home mom I was able to work with her and her words and her sounds and um, so I think that helped a lot too. If she doesn't have her her cochlear implants on um, can she hear anything at this point? No um, they cut while they're in there they cut that piece off so then they can't they do they do say that you could have a little bit of feedback so she might hear a little bit of stuff that she normally doesn't hear but most of the time there's, you don't hear any, she doesn't hear anything. Like there's this squeaking thing in our bathroom and if I can turn it and it squeaks really loud, she can hear that, but I'm not sure she's hearing that or if she's feeling the vibrations of it. Um, so, but she, since she didn't have hearing for so long, she learned to adapt and use more of her other senses like 
her sight and her touch. So anytime music was playing before she got her cochlear implants, she could feel the vibration of the, in the beat of the song and would sway with it and would bounce with the, with the beat. Like she knew exactly what she was listening to. So that was really cool to witness because she, and that was another thing is we think she can hear, but really she was just, she enhanced her other senses than what she was using her ears for. That, that's great. I, I do love to see all the videos of her, you know, <laughs> dancing away and all of that. So she's, she's got some moves, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, so do you know why um, she has the hearing loss? Does it go back to her NICU stuff or is, it, is there some other reasons? Do you know why? Um, we don't really know why. We believe that it was a lot with her NICU um, and being on, maybe she had too much TPN. I don't, I don't know. There was a lot of issues with um, her NICU stay. Um, not, not issues, but like we think that's where her hearing loss came from. And her being so many variables down. when it comes to NICU experiences as right. far as affecting the eyes and the ears and all of those. So. Right. And I mean, she was born at 20, um, 25, 25 weeks. So that could also be like, it just didn't develop. Um, we were not sure what happened. So, and we probably won't ever know unless we get some kind of genetic testing done. So, which I don't even know if that'll show up. <laughs> Are you okay not knowing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, would rather not. I mean, we're, we're at this point, we're so far, so far ahead. So why look back? So tell me and, and tell our listeners about questions that maybe other kids ask her about her hearing and her, her devices. So, and maybe address some of the, uh, I don't know, just some of those conversations. Um, they always, she's got Canzos, which are um, a type of cochlear implant. Um, and it just is a magnet stuck on the back of her head. Well, it also blinks green when it's on. And kids always come up to her asking her what those things on her head are. And Josie always just looks at me like, ugh, do I have to explain this again? And I'm like, Josie, you need to tell them, like, tell them what that is. And she always says, it's my super ears. And they're like, what? And then, so then I come in and I'm like, yes, because you know, you're, you have ears. Um, Josie has ears just like you, but hers don't work. So then we have to use these kind of ears and these ears are what help her hear. And then always like, oh, that's so cool. I want my, I want some, I'm going to go tell my mommy. So then I'm going to have to, I have to explain, well, you don't, your mom's not going to spend that much money <laughs> some super ears for you but they are fun to look at um but yeah she is always she when somebody comes up to her and asks her she's always like oh again like mom they're asking me what my ears are and I'm just like Josie just tell them what your ears are like <laughs> brings awareness everywhere she goes right yes yes and I want to I do want to say to listeners don't be afraid to ask, like, don't just stare at them and just assume that they're tracking devices or something, because that's what we've had a lot of people talk about saying that they're, they're now 
using tracking devices on kids and that's what Josie's were. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not a tracking device. Although sometimes at night when they're blinking green, I can catch her wherever she's at. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask because I love talking about it just because she she's come, come, came from so far with her cochlear implants and I don't mind talking about it. She and and her younger sister knows exactly what they are and she will tell all of her friends what they are and tell her that her sister's deaf and she needs these ears to to hear and talk. So it's good to good to just ask. Don't just stare. Tell me, tell me more about the uh, the supports that you have and maybe some of the support groups that you became involved in. Um, yeah, so so Hearts for Hearing has been the best place for us. Um, everybody in there from the from the front staff back to the back staff and um, the custodials, everybody in there are the sweetest people on the universe. We've never had we've never had one complaint about them. Um, so they have been super helpful. They never rushed us if we were, like I said, we didn't, we weren't sure about cochlear implants. They never rushed us. Um, so that support with them was tremendous. Like it, it helped us really believe that Josie needed these cochlear implants. Um, so then that got me involved into Hearts for Hearing and helping other moms that have been going through the same thing we have. So I, I joined with another mom from OFN and we, at the beginning, because they have um, listening for littles for little ones that are going to be going to school. So it's a help to transition these kids with hearing loss going into school. So we started off doing listening for littles and the other one, um, but we would sit up at the at Hearts for Hearing, and we would just talk mom to mom about what was going on that week and stuff like that. So then we just had this great idea that we would want. We wanted to continue to do it to help other moms going through the same situations. Even though a lot of ours aren't the same situation, um, we can still be there to support each other. Because uh, hearing loss is a different disability in itself. It's hard. It's hard to be a parent to a parent, a parent to a kid with hearing loss when you're not sure 100% what what you're going through. Because if you don't have hearing loss in your family previously, then you're going in blind. You definitely need that support from other moms or or dads. Yeah, it's it's an it's it's a difficult. Um area to navigate uh, right. if you haven't experienced it yourself. So um, having that support, I think is definitely key. Yes. Uh, what about, what about her school and tell us a little bit about what she experiences at school. Uh, is she on a specific IEP? Is she, um, what kind of, what are some of the, um, um, what are some of the accommodations that they make for her at school? Um, that was something great about our school. Um, we go to Choctaw. Nakoma Park, they have a three-year-old program for dis with kids with disabilities. And we were lucky enough to catch it right, right before school started. 
and it had it was wonderful. She started as she was three years old and went only half a day, which was great. We went, we did that till she went into pre-K and that's when she started getting on her IEP. Her IEP is, is, um, it's not a difficult IEP, but back then they were just only working on sounds and things like that with her speech therapist. And, um, her teachers were also trying to work with her on her sounds and stuff. So now it's more reading limitations and stuff like that. So she does see the, she only sees her, she sees her speech therapist and she also sees her special needs teacher every day. Do they do anything in the classroom to help her? Um, or does, do they, does, does she need anything special in the classroom with the, with the cochlear not not really necessarily um she does have a mini mic is what we call it um it helps her only hear the teacher like the teacher wear it around her neck and she will be able to listen to the teacher and not so much um outside noise um which helps a lot um because she is very distracted um so Whenever the teacher's talking, she's, she has her full focus on the teacher, or at least I think she is. I don't know. Josie is, she's, <laughs> she's her own child. Kind of, I don't know. But that helps a lot in the classroom. And it's, it's really nice to have because she does get distracted very easily. We, then we start, now she's in, she'll be going into second grade. So um, it's just been difficult with reading and with math. She just doesn't get it. So, but we're working on it. The IP is working great. So we have been so lucky um, with our school system. I, I cannot say enough about how blessed I am with our school system and how they have helped Josie get to where she's at right now. Um, and they've, they've accommodated with everything, with her hearing device that she needs for school. And it's just been been a blessing for sure. If you could talk to your, uh, you kind of said something earlier about looking back, you wish you would have made the decision a little bit earlier. If you were advising another mom or even maybe yourself in the early stages of this, what would you, what would you tell yourself or, or a new mom and that's experiencing this? Take your time deciding. Yes, I, I do wish we would have went, did it a little sooner, but it's hard, it's hard to make that decision because you don't know what, what's actually gonna help. Because, you know, sometimes the cochlear implants don't help and you're, you just put your kid through that surgery. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a gamble, but it's, ours was a great gamble. We, we came, out that, came out of that winning. So um, just take your time, read up on it, get to know everything about it, make sure you're, you're making the right decision for your child um, and for yourself to make your child have the best life that, it, that he or she can. So I think you did a fantastic job just summarizing that piece of Josie's journey and your journey as a mom, because oh. I know that's not been an easy um, making all the decisions for your daughter's lifetime. <laughs> it's, right. it's, yeah. it's, it's a heavy burden. <laughs> I do like think for the future, like what, I don't know if we've made the right decision because what if she decides she doesn't want it, which she can always take them off 
if she doesn't want it. And we wanted to give her that, that also that decision. If she didn't want, if she doesn't want it, then we're not going to force her to, to wear them. So, so that's why we're also learn, trying to learn sign too, because if, if that's the case, then she needs to learn it. And we need to learn it too. <laughs> Eventually. Um, has she ever gotten so mad that she takes her, her devices off and then she just walks away? Does she ever oh, do that? I'm just curious. Oh, I yeah. hear, hear some stories like that sometimes. So I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. For sure. She definitely does that. She does that when she, when Kyla and her little sister is yelling at her too. Um, so it's quite interesting. I can't wait till she's a teenager. <laughs> I guarantee you she won't wear those things because then I'll be like yelling at her, telling her to come here and like she probably won't have her ear on. It was so wonderful to have Kaylee on for the podcast and uh, she is such a pleasure just to visit with and I enjoy visiting with her, not only as someone to interview, but as a friend. And so, uh, as I said before, she does have an, uh, an extensive 143-day NICU journey as well. And I hope to someday have her on the, as a guest to share more about her experience with Josie and Kyson and, uh, and, and what all she has learned and, and has been able to support others in that journey as well. So um, until then, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we look forward to you uh, joining us on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405-271-5072.